Jack, appreciate you, love you. Good morning, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Can you say amen? Come on, there's so many folks that are uh, destitute or other places, maybe uh, different parts of the world, and don't have the uh, ability to be in church or at a church as great as this church is, not because of me, but because of you all. Uh, and so, come on, let's not take it for granted. You know, let, let, let's be people that just uh, uh, want to, like I said earlier, we want everybody to hear the good news that we have heard. Can you just give me one more big amen? amen. We're on a series of lessons. We started last week, and you can see this cool, fancy-pantsy little uh, advertisement, a little whatever here, called Sunday School. I, I was raised in the South, you can tell by my twang a little bit, still got it, uh, in Tennessee, and uh, every Sunday morning across the, the, the city that we lived in, and maybe some of you, this was uh, your upbringing as well, there were church buses that would go around the city, and they would pick up kids and or parents that had no transportation, Hence, we have our little school bus there. And uh, I was raised in a church my whole life. And uh, over and over from the time I was very, very young until, you know, even today, uh, hearing the Old Testament stories of how God took care of his people. Uh, there were several that were just taught year after year, it seemed, or season after season. And it can become so almost commonplace to a lot of us that we forget the power of each of those stories. So during this series, it's summertime, and I thought, you know, no matter where you're at, it's always good, if you've heard these stories before, to go back and have a refresher, or if you've never heard these stories before, faith is gonna be stirred in your heart to believe if God did it then, he's gonna do it again now. Come on, everybody. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, forever, forever. Um, last week, as we started the series, we talked about Moses and the Red Sea. And we kind of, even before we got into the encounter there in, in the book of Exodus, and by the way, I know y'all did read Exodus 1 through 14, didn't you? Come on. Wow, come on, somebody. I'm liking that. Way to go. Uh, uh, so, so I'm going to give you another homework assignment today because that's just what we're going to do during the series. And again, if you don't read what, what, what we're telling you to read, the fleas of a thousand camels will infest under your armpits. No, no, they won't. No, they won't. No, they won't. No, they won't. Uh, but we said this last week that Psalm 78 actually says this, that, that with that Red Sea encounter, that, that it's mentioned all throughout the Bible, not, not just in Exodus chapter, you know, the, the plagues and then the Red Sea encounter in chapter 14. But that, that event is, is mentioned all throughout the Bible. Paul talks about it. We see, you know, we, we see that deliverance was such, a, such a, a, an outstanding uh, an event that God didn't want the people to forget. Well, Psalm 78, we said last week, uh, the, the, the writer there in Psalm, which was David, he talked about remembering and recounting from generation to generation that event. And, and not only that event, but these other stories, these other events where we see God's hand, where we see God's deliverance, because God did not want his people to forget. And, and if there's ever one thing that we as believers have a tendency to do when push comes to shove or pressure comes into our lives, we have a tendency to forget. 
And so these stories are a reminder for us continually from generation to generation, the writer in Psalm 78 says that we would put our hope anew on God, that you would not disconnect your life in the pressure, in the Red Sea that's facing you, in the Pharaoh and the Egyptian armies that are chasing you, that you would not disconnect your life from whatever you're dealing with, with how God brought them through it. Connect your life to these stories because, again, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was faithful, he is faithful. If he was good, he will still be good to you. And everybody in the house said amen. Our second lesson today, we're going to talk about Noah and the ark. Noah and the ark. Um, and so your reading assignment this week is you are required before the Lord <laughs> to read Genesis 6 through 9. Come on, write it down somewhere. Write it on your hand. Write it on the phone. Genesis 6 through 9. Now let me forewarn you what you're going to encounter in the first four verses of chapter 6. You're going to read some stuff in chapter 6 that's not talking about Noah, but it's going to talk about the condition of going on in the world. And it's going to cause your head to scratch. And there's questions that I've got as well. But just go ahead and read it by faith and then get to the part about Noah. Can I encourage you with that? There's some questions that nobody quite knows the answer to some of that stuff in chapter 6, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. But we're going to be talking about Noah and the ark. And the key lesson that we're going to be bringing today that I want you to think about is this, that God delivers his people. Can you say that with me? God delivers his people. That's what he does. I want you to get in your head, I want you to get in your heart, I want you to get in your mind, I want you to get in your thought all week as you read the scripture, Genesis 6 through 9, is that God delivers his people. We said this last week in part of the lesson from Psalm chapter 91, and it, that's a great psalm of protection. It kind of ends towards that. It's 16 verses, and I believe it's verse 15. It says that God tells us, he says, I will be with you in trouble, and I will deliver you. It's interesting that, that we think, I don't know how you think, but I know I thought that once you give your life to Jesus, it's almost kind of like there is no more trouble. No, that's not the case. We are in a world filled with trouble, but God says he will be with you when you're in trouble. And he will deliver you in the midst of the trouble. Listen to me. Sometimes God takes the trouble from you. Sometimes God empowers you to go through the trouble. So make sure that you've got your heart always set on God, that God is my deliverer. Either he's going to remove the trouble from me, or his grace and his power and his strength is going to work in me, yet he's going to get me through this trouble. Amen? Now, now, before we begin reading in Genesis chapter, you know, the, the, the account there in Genesis, I, I want us to look at a scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 24. Because Matthew chapter 24 is a very interesting verse, a couple of verses here, that Jesus, who is God in a body, come on, God became man, God became flesh. So this is God, Jesus, talking to us, talking to his disciples and anybody else who was listening at this encounter before Jesus was going to go to the cross. This is before Gethsemane. These are these last words that Matthew records, some of them that Jesus was talking about. And Jesus begins discussing what's going to be going on in these last days. I believe 
the days that we're living in. I don't know if these are the last of the last days, but these are last days. We see a lot of things going on that Jesus talked about. We see wars and rumors of wars. We see all kind of political unrest. We see nation against nation. We see all kinds of economic things. We see health and sickness challenges. We see all that. It really has been going on from the beginning of mankind that we see, but it's heightened now, and I believe we are in these last of the last days. So Jesus says this about the event that we are going to read. In other words, Jesus believes what we are going to read from Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9. If you don't believe it, if science doesn't believe it, if the academics don't believe it, that's not my problem and shouldn't be your problem. You need to believe it, listen to me, because Jesus believed it. Matthew 24, verse 38. In those days before the flood, the flood of Noah, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings. Right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Stop for a moment. Jesus believes there was a flood. Jesus believes there was a man named Noah. Hmm. Jesus believed he entered the boat called the ark. Look at the next verse. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. Read it slow. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. That is the way it will be. There'll be weddings, there'll be parties, there'll be banquets, There'll be life as usual as what we are seeing now as it was in the day of Noah until the flood came and swept them all away. Jesus believed in the flood. Jesus believed in Noah. Jesus believed he built an ark. Jesus believed somehow God orchestrated these animals together. It was real. And now Jesus tells us the flood, Noah, the ark, his life is a warning to us. A warning to us. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes again. We do a lot of reading. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Follow along with me on the screen here. If you're online, you can see this or whatever screen's convenient for you to read. This is God Almighty talking. He said, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or, managed, or, or excuse me, imagined was consistently and totally evil. I, I, let's go back there real quick, guys. Thank you. Uh, it, it just seems like this is exactly, if we could extract this from almost 6,000 years going back into the beginning of history, it, it seems like this is exactly going on in 2022. 
the extent of human wickedness on the earth and everything is thought or imagined and just twisted towards, towards evil. Then verse 6 says this, So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them, made man, and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky, I am sorry I ever even made them. But Noah, come on, yell Noah. Noah found favor with the Lord. In the midst of wickedness, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of craziness, in the midst of people that, that were ungodliness, in the midst of foulness, in the midst of vileness, in the midst of God himself, the scripture says and records, God says, I'm sorry, I even made man. In the midst of that, there is one man that God says, I've seen and I know this is a man that has favor with me. So this tells me, and this should tell you, that no matter how dark it gets in your school, in society, in the government, in whatever's going on in the world we live in, we can continually find the grace and the favor of God to get us through it. Can you say amen? amen. Verse 13, it goes on to say this in Genesis six thirteen. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with the pitch. Make yourself an an ark. Build an ark. One translation will tell us the ark will be for the saving of your household. What we see here is number one, God told Noah what he was going to do. He was going to destroy mankind and he was going to destroy the earth. But that's not all because then we see that God told Noah what he needed to do to be delivered. You need to make an ark. So God told him, this is coming. This is certain. It's done. I'm sorry I made man. I, 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 I've changed my mind, we could say. And God said, but you found favor in my sight. You found grace, one translation says, in my sight. Now, I'm telling you what you need to do to be delivered. So in reading that, and listening to that, I've come to the conclusion, I think you could, be, you could too, is that listening to God will always be linked to him delivering you. If you and I will listen to God, hopefully in some of your minds here in person or online, your mind is going back to a series we talked about for eight weeks that Solomon says, God, I need you in my life. And he prays that God would give him a God-listening heart. Give me a God-listening heart. That I can lead myself, lead my family, lead these people. And that we can know, I can know the difference between good and evil, between right and wrong, between what's moral and immoral. Give me a God-listening heart. 
you and I need to listen to God because listening to God will always be linked to him delivering you. There will be a direct connection between you listening to the word of God and him delivering you. There will be a direct connection between you listening to God and the spirit of God directing you individually how you can get out of whatever has has surrounded you and, and captivated you and, and, and is taking you down, we could say. Listening to God will always be linked to him delivering you. In, in the New Testament, what's so astounding about this story is not only do we have Jesus talking about it, that that would be enough, but in the New Testament, you know, you know the, the, when Jesus talked about, it's in our New Testament, but it's called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So, so we see Jesus talking about it, but then we see the, the apostle Peter, he writes in his book and calls Peter a preacher of righteousness. It's interesting. So there was preaching going on back in Noah's day. Peter calls Peter, excuse me, Peter calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. Now, what we know from that, as you read the account, which you will do this week, and several of you will read probably those four chapters every day, is that Noah's life and Noah's lifestyle, Noah's words and Noah's building the ark all preached about God, all preached about there's a flood coming, all preached about you need to come on board this ship, all preached about you need to change your mind and repent how you think about God, how you think about sin, how you think about wickedness, how you think about the culture. You have the opportunity to change your mind right now. His life, his lifestyle, we, we, we could say it this way, how he treated his wife, how he raised his family, he had three boys, how he navigated this wicked world was all a testimony and a preaching of righteousness that we can live above the fray and the darkness that is in the world. It is the same today. Listen to me, here, has been, here is why the world has had such a, a struggle with quote unquote the church is because the church me and you, us, we'll be saying something up here on Sunday and we won't be living it out there on Monday. We need to have a connection between who we are on Sunday and what we do on Tuesday night at the house with the wife. What, what we do on Thursday at the ball field with the kids. What, how we handle our business on Thursday during a difficult encounter with work. What we do with our words, what we do with our direction, how we raise our families, how we handle our monies, what we do with our health, what we do with our prayer life. All of these things are a speaking tool that the world is looking for. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I love this scripture in Hebrews even talks about this guy called Noah. Hebrews in chapter 11 verse 7. This is the message translation so it's a transliteration but I wanted to give it to you this morning. Check it out. By faith. Come on read that with me. By faith. Come on. How are you going to, how, how, how did Noah build that ark? By faith. Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see. Hmm. And acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. The scripture tells us over and over and over, this is what we must continually do. We, as people of God, 
we are builders. We're, we're builders. We, we build our life. We, we, we you know, sang the song, part of it anyway. I will build my life upon his word. It is a strong foundation. Come on, somebody. We build our life. He gives us his word. Now we take that word and we take like a hammer, if you will, and a nail and we build that word into our life. Maybe, maybe you got to tear apart the old ark that you have built and you need to build a new ark. Come on, somebody. He was building this in the middle of a dry land. The scripture tells us it's, it seems like, again, it's, it, there's a little bit of mystery there. We don't know, but, but there wasn't rain like there was rain like we know now. There, there wasn't any kind of worldwide flood. There wasn't anything like that. And so Noah's building this boat in the middle of a dry land and a dry ground. And people are probably going, man, the brother's crazy. What is he doing? But God gave him a word. And if you are going to be delivered, you're going to have to listen to the word of the Lord. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on it. What an amazing thing. The result, his family was saved. Keep reading. What does it say? His act of faith drew a sharp line. And this is where some of you are at right now in your life and with your family and with the people you work with. The act of faith of you just being a Christian draws a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result... Noah became intimate with God. Don't miss the last part. Don't miss that. If you will keep building your life, if you will keep trusting God, if you will keep reading the word and acting on the word of God, whether you have pressure from family or pressure from friends or pressure from culture or pressure from TikTok young people, if you will keep building your life on the word, you will become intimate with God. Can somebody say amen? The scripture says... When you start doing the math, that Noah was building that ark between 100 and 120 years. We don't know who else helped the brother build the ark besides his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Now, if God told Noah, I'm going to flood the earth, and God then gave the brother strength to build this ark that he was building between 100 and 120 years, it is telling us pretty strongly that God is long-suffering, not wanting anybody to perish. For those 100 and 120 years, Noah, as a preacher of righteousness, using his words, and every hammer, every nail, every that went into that ark, it was preaching, Jesus is Lord. God's words coming to pass. A flood is coming. You need to change your life. The dimensions of the ark, some of you have probably seen. There's a, a replica that's uh, similar in size. Um, I forgot what city and what uh, state it's in. But it's roughly, it was roughly 500 feet long. 90 feet wide and about 55 feet high. The cubic feet of that ark could contain about 125,000 sheep-sized animals. That would leave over about 1.5 million cubic feet for food and everything else. How did, they, how did they have water? How did they bring all the food? In? I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is if Jesus believed there was an ark, 
If Jesus believed there was a flood, if Jesus believed there was a man named Noah, and Jesus believed the animals came on there, that's good enough for me. The scripture says that God told Noah to gather male and female. Check it out now. And this is what Sunday school didn't teach me. <laughs> I had to read the Bible. God told Noah to gather male and female unclean animals for the ark. And God told him to also gather male and female unclean animals for the ark. Read it. You'll read it this week. He actually told him to gather seven couples, female and male, of every clean animal to come on the ark that they would then sacrifice after it was done. Listen to me. God knows I am going to deliver you. He already provided the sacrifice of the animals before there was a flood, before they got on the ark, before they were all, when everything was torrentially going on, God gave them the animals on the ark that after it was all over, God said, those animals are set aside because they're going to be a sacrifice for me. God already made Jesus a sacrifice for you. All you have to do is receive who Jesus is, and you and I are already delivered from the power of the enemy. Can you say amen? Genesis 7, verse 11. A lot of scriptures. Is that okay, everybody? Come on, we're going to Sunday school. Come on, somebody. Come on. It's just Sunday school, but we just don't have got candy for you this morning. Maybe we should have done that. In the year 600 of Noah's life, 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, that's pretty, that's pretty direct of God telling them exactly when it happened. That same day, check this out now, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and burst forth, all. And the windows and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, were opened. And it rained on the earth for 40 days and for 40 nights. Everything was burst open. Everything was burst open. And it then tells us that Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth, the sons, and their wives, the three wives of his sons, them, they went into the ark. So we have eight people out of everybody. We have no idea who was alive at the time. How many people weren't alive? How many people were alive? But Noah preached for 100 to 120 years. Listen to me. And nobody but his family was delivered. The flood, there's discrepancies, but again, I just believe what the Bible says. The flood was global in its effect. It affected the entire earth. I don't believe it was just situational or, or in a certain area. It, it was global. And most theologians and, and most uh, uh, historians and people a whole lot smarter than me believe that the violence of the, the breaking, because the scripture told us here that we read all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, that they believe that this was the breaking apart, that the earth at that time seems to be all one land mass. And when the breaking up came in the fountains of the depths of the earth, that could be, could be, again, just could be, where 
the land masses of the North America, Central America, South America, the islands. Uh, we see Africa and Asia where there was a breaking apart of the continents that we have today. Some of you all have done studies in school and, and, and read after this thing stuff a whole lot more deeper than me, but all cultures of the world have some form of flood legend, they call it, a flood legend. Now, when you read the encounter this week, what you're going to read is it rained 40 days and 40 nights, but that wasn't how it all ended. Noah was on the ark for around one year until the flood waters began subsiding. So here's this brother building an ark for 100 to 120 years, and it rains violently, broken up the earth. That ark is going back and forth like we can't imagine. And yet God delivered them. God saved them. And after one year's time, you'll read it this week, Noah releases a, a crow or a raven, and, and, and uh, I believe that at that time it, didn't, it came back or didn't come back. I can't remember that, that, that account, but I know this. He, he released a dove to see if he could find some land, and the dove came back. And then a week later, he released the dove again, and the dove came back with an olive branch in his mouth. Now, again, the olive branch is a sign of peace. And so we see that in the midst of this all, in the midst of this crazy situation, that God tells Noah, I have a peace covenant with you. Peace in my deliverance is in your life. You don't have to be afraid. I've been with you. I'm going to be with you. And we know that the rainbow, which has since been hijacked by a lot of different people, is now a sign of God's covenant never to destroy the earth. Listen to me. I don't want to go crazy here, but let me tell you, it's amazing who has hijacked that symbol. This symbol of the rainbow is a sign that God says, I will deliver you, I will keep you, I'm with you if you get on the ark. Read one more time in Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. Peter says this, God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we looked at a scripture in 1 Corinthians that the Apostle Paul talks about Moses in the Red Sea. Some of y'all remember that. That going through that Red Sea was a type of baptism, not water baptism, but now we are baptized from the world. We are taken in and we're baptized into Christ. Now, we are one with him. And here... Peter speaks and says this passage is just like what Paul said concerning the Red Sea, that now this ark was a type of baptism, that God was saving 
Noah, and his family from the world. They were carried above the effects of darkness, vileness, wickedness. God kept them from this world system that completely killed everybody else. This tells us that Jesus will keep us no matter what's going on around us. Can you say amen? God knows how to deliver the righteous. God can keep you just like he kept Noah and his family. There's a scripture, uh, I'm winding down. There's a scripture in Colossians, and if you don't know this, this is a key scripture for who we are now because of what Jesus has done for us. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Apostle Paul writes to the church there, and here's what he tells us. And again, if you haven't listened to anything or somehow it just hasn't connected, just please write this scripture down. The Father, Paul writes, has, past tense, delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Just like Noah and his family were delivered out of that flood, out of that wickedness, the scripture says the father, because of Jesus Christ, has delivered, but not just delivered to leave us alone. No, he delivered us and drew us to himself. We have been delivered, church, out of the control and the dominion of darkness. And not just delivered out of and left to try to make it on their own, our own life. No, but now he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. When Noah came off that ark, God said, we're starting again. We're starting again. Your family is going to repopulate the earth. And I believe that all, all of us in the room and everybody alive that has been alive since that time, we can trace our DNA right back to Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. Right there. The ark was designed to carry and to save Noah and his family from destruction. And this God life, when you surrender your life to God and become more and more intimate with him, is designed to save you from the darkness going on in the world. It's available to every one of us. God's heart is open to every one of us. I don't know what spiritual condition Shem, Ham, Japheth, Noah's sons were. Don't even know their wives' names. Noah's wife, her name isn't even mentioned. But there's one guy, there's one that was. And we gotta believe that as he was a preacher of righteousness, the first people he was preaching to was his family. And that their hearts were stirred to follow the faith of their dad. And so my admonition to everybody, including me in the room, is that let's have a faith, let's have a trust, let's have a confidence that our kids and our spouses and the friends around us 
want to follow. Can you say amen? Now let me make a spin here as we close. I'll read one more lengthy portion of scripture to tie it all up today. The Bible says that Noah built an ark for the saving of his house. Let me make a New Testament spin on this. Because as I was thinking all week, yeah, Gary, you got to build an ark. You want your family saved? You got to build an ark. Gary, you got to build. You got to build. You got to build. Gary, you got to build. You got to build. You got to build. And there is 100% a participation between Jesus, the Word of God, and what you and I do in our life. We know that. But let me spin this and drill down just for a few seconds with you here. Here it is. You don't have to build an ark. All you have to do is receive the ark, and his name is Jesus. You are not saved from your own works, by your own works. There is nothing you can do that would satisfy the need or the requirement for you to be right with God. You can't read the Bible enough. You can't repent enough. You can't be good enough to be saved. No, 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 no. Listen to me. You don't have to build the ark. All you have to do is receive the ark. Jesus is our Savior. He is the one who causes us to rise above all the filth and wickedness and destruction of the world. Now, that doesn't mean we don't believe the Word. That doesn't mean we don't serve. That doesn't mean we don't read. That doesn't mean we don't challenge crazy thoughts in our mind. But there is nothing you can do that can save your own life. Jesus is our ark. Can you say amen? Now, before we close today, why is this so important that we talk about this, this story? Because as Peter writes about Noah and the flood, and Peter talks about in these last days, there's going to be scoffers and mockers who don't believe any of this. Nonsense, fairy tales, crazy stuff. That was, that, that's antiquated. That, that's mysticism. Peter points his readers back to Noah and the flood. And he finishes his second letter. He's got two, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And he says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. He says this, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. Kind of sounds like a flood, but it's not going to be a flood this time. And the very elements themselves will disappear in the fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed, like this, just like the flood. What holy 
and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens. Come on, somebody. And the new earth. He has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. God destroyed the earth. God destroyed the world and everything in it in the flood. God says there's another event coming that is flood-like. Not a flood, but a fire. When Jesus comes back, after it's all said and done, when those who make decisions not to follow him, he says this earth and everything in it has been reserved, reserved for judgment. Since this is happening, since it happened with Noah, and it's scheduled to happen again, what kind of life should you be living right now? What kind of lifestyle should you be living? Peter says, it's got to be holy. It's got to be godly. Didn't say perfect, but holy and godly. And we need to be people that look forward to that day. That Jesus is coming again. And we need to hasten and hurry up that day. How do we do that? Our lives and our lifestyle like Noah. That we want to be people, men and women, teenagers, young adults, preachers of righteousness. Our life and our lifestyle point people to Jesus. Don't turn them away from Jesus, but point them to Jesus. And we are looking, we're looking forward to that new heaven and a new earth that he promised. If he did it with Noah's day, listen to me, he's going to do it again. It's a promise. So our life and our lifestyle needs to be directed to him. Noah, the flood, the ark, it happened. Jesus believed it. Jesus came and he said, I'm coming again. And what I've told you in the word is going to come to pass. So my prayer for all of us in the room is that our heart would be directed toward him today. Because if he delivered Noah, he's going to deliver you and me in this earth and then when it's all said and done we're going to be able to spend eternity with him never separated from him forever in the very presence of almighty god so what kind of people should we be godly holy hearts directed toward him god work in my heart change my mind let me renew my mind with your word Lord, help me in my marriage. Help me in, in the decisions I'm making at school. Let, let me be the kind of man or woman you want me to be. Help me, Lord, I'm, I've got some, some crazy things that are thoughts that are coming to my mind, but Lord, bring the word of God to me. Let, let me hear your word and I don't have to build an ark. I don't have to save my own life. You sent Jesus to save me. So I'm gonna trust that sacrifice today and glory to God, your life will be 
delivered. Can you say amen in the room? Can you give the Lord just a praise clap right now? Come on, thank God for the word. Amen. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Would you do that all over the room? Father God, we just thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your generosity. Father God, today we just pray for every person in here, in the room and online as well. For those that don't know you as Lord and Savior, for those who haven't heard you, for those who, whose hearts are, are, are wayward right now. Father, we pray that their roots would go down deep into you right now. If there's been confusion, if there's been misunderstanding, if there's been not knowing what's going on in their life right now because of the past or because of a current situation where maybe they've been hurt by church, they've, they've been away through the power of sin, the effects of sin, but today they're here. And Noah's life is speaking to all of us, Lord God. Direct our hearts to you. That we could be godly and holy in this present wicked age. So if you're in the room today, your head bowed, your eyes closed, you're online as well, no one looking around, just give everyone the right to privacy. You'd say, today, I haven't made Jesus the Lord of my life, or maybe I have, and I've just, I've just backslid, I've just lost touch. But I, I don't want my life to perish. I, I don't want my life to miss the mark. If Jesus built an ark for me, I, I want to say yes to that. That's all you have to do. And then you begin a journey of a life change, a life change. God will begin speaking to you from his word as you open his word and direct your life into a way that will be pleasing to him. So all over the room, online at your house as well, if you don't know Jesus, I'm gonna count to three and you wanna pray this morning, we'll pray a prayer out loud. You won't pray by yourself. Your upraised hand just simply says, include me in that prayer. If you want that this morning, come on, be bold, be aggressive. Let us pray with you. And you're going to experience the saving love of Jesus Christ. Come on, all over the room. Come on, one, two, three. Lift your hands. You want to be included in that prayer? All over the room. You don't know Jesus. You want to know him this morning. You've been away from him. Anyone in the room this morning? Well, look at me. We never know who's lifted their hand or not lift their hand. No one in the room today or online, but let's just do this. Let's just make sure. Can you repeat this prayer after me, everybody? Let them hear you online. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father. I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I recognize my need. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord, be my Savior forever and ever. I repent. I change my mind, change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Come on, come on, somebody. Maybe somebody prayed that prayer right here this morning. You just didn't raise your hand. The Bible says. 
you got born again. Come on, you got born again. You received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So if you prayed that prayer.